good. Kind of walks down like, yeah, that just happened. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Just want to remind you guys um, that we have a baptism Sunday coming up uh, October 2nd. You can sign up on the app. We'll have a, a teaching, I believe, in a couple of Sundays from now uh, if you'd like to be a part of that. Uh, today we're in the book of Galatians, and we're going to be talking uh, through this uh, a, a little bit. And uh, I got these really two uh, funny slides uh, from Brad this week, and I thought I'd actually just share them. Uh, he's talking about Paul epistles. The first one, it says this, whenever there's two kinds of Pauline epistles, right? When he writes a lot of our New Testament, there's two things. The one is like, we are heirs through this unfathomable grace, or he's basically saying, I'm just begging you as a personal favor, you sick little freak, to act normal for five minutes. And I feel like, <laughs> I, I thought that was good. The second one I thought was good as well. Uh, talking about these are kind of the things that he does. Usually he, he tells them about grace. He thanks God for them, hold fast to the gospel. Then he says, you know, for the love of all things that are holy, you know, uh, and then, hey, by the way, Timothy says hi. And, and it, it really is true. There's sort of two kinds of things that Paul writes about. He either is writing something really deep, like what we talked about last Sunday, talking about being children rather than slaves uh, or, or something along those lines. Or, like today's text, is a little bit, a little bit odd. So what I'm going to do today, I know our students are in here. Where are all the, where are all the students? Let's see. Where's Paul over here? Some over here. Okay, all of you guys are here. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Jesse, you are not a student. I know you want to be. You are not a student, buddy. That ship has sailed. Uh, let's just be honest. But I kind of wrote something today called 10 Principles for, uh, to Live By, may, maybe geared towards students. And so this is a sermon for you guys today. Uh, that hopefully the rest of us will kind of listen in, and I'm going to at some point try to try to give some life principles that I think are are in the text today that maybe will help us as we as we try to uh, try to sort out what Paul's really saying. Okay, so students, a little bit a little bit of Q and A, so you can fall asleep in a minute, but just not right now. How many of you students are sometimes frustrated by your parents? Okay, okay. Now, hopefully you know. That that's our job, okay? If it, our job is for you to be mad at us like half the time, okay? And if your if your kids are mad at you a lot, that means you're doing a great job. So what are some of the things that frustrate you? Your parents, your, what is it? They had you have a bedtime, right? Maybe some of you do. You don't have a bedtime. That's bad parenting right there. Let me be honest, okay? Don't know whose child that is, but I think it's Brad's. Um, <laughs> actually, let's see. It was Avery. Um, <laughs> They, uh, what, they, they say you can't do things that you think you're ready to do. Uh, you're not allowed to go somewhere. You have to be home by a certain time if you go out. What, what other things frustrate you? Anything, anybody willing to share something that frustrates you about your parents? Chores? Oh, yeah, yeah, chores. I just, you know, they want to live there, but for free. Yeah, no, not allowed. What else? Huh? What's that? The dish. Oh, I, I know. That is like, can you unpack the dishwasher? Ugh. Like it's gonna take you like ten minutes. It's not a big deal. Anyway, okay. So yeah, we're we're, we're frustrated by our friends. Okay, here's a little more honest question. How many of you, particularly students, are doing something that you think your parents don't know about right now? Come on, be honest. Jesus can hear you. Just one, which means you're all lying, and we know you're lying. Okay, Gabe, what are you doing that your parents don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, it's okay, you don't have to do that, you don't have to answer that, you don't have to answer that. Um, and part of it is, do you ever know, like, like we as parents know when you're lying, because we were kids once, 
and we did all the things that you're trying to do. And so we have figured that out. Like, I remember as a kid sometime going, how do my parents know that I was doing that? How do they, because they were kids once. I know it seems like a long time ago, but we were kids. We kind of did the same thing. Do you ever have the frustrated uh, the frustrated conversation. Sometimes as parents, we have to have those. You ever have those conversations where they sit you down and they try to talk through something, and inside you're rolling your eyes and you're just like huffing and puffing. W- why do parents have these tough conversations with you? What's the reason? Why do we do that? Maybe so you don't have to go through what they did. What were you going to say? Right, they want you to. They want to make you successful. They they want you to do better in life. Great answer. Very very true. Um, parents sometimes have to have difficult conversations because we don't want you to make the same mistakes maybe that we made, or we want you to be successful. And, and these are the moments where you think, oh, my parents are so unfair and they're so mean to me and they don't allow me to do what I want to do. Yeah, but we want you to be successful and we don't want you to grow up in the world and be brats. Because there's some adults that haven't quite learned all those lessons yet, and it's, it's tough. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, th- there is, if you're a parent, there is this frustrated parent narrative that has to happen from time to time. And today's reading in Galatians is Paul. Paul wasn't married. Paul didn't have kids. And so this church in Galatia is kind of his child. These are his people that, that, that he's trying to raise up and do good things. And today's text is Paul having a frustrated parent conversation with this church, okay? So l- let's, let's look at this together, and I'm going to read this text today, and I want you to kind of see. I know there's a few words in here that maybe um, we, don't, we don't, sort of, don't sort of like or don't sort of know, but he's, I want you to hear some of the frustration that Paul has with the church. So he's talking to the Galatian church in chapter 4, verse 8. He says to them, Formerly, or before, when you didn't know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods, meaning people. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to these weak and miserable forces? He's talking about the law. How can you go back to this thing that you've been rescued from now that you actually know God? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You can hear him saying, why do you keep making the same mistakes? Why do we keep having this this conversation. You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my time or wasted my efforts on you. And so I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You didn't do me any wrong. As you know, it's I was sick, I was ill, and that's why I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, You did not treat me with contempt or or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Okay, that's a little graphic, Paul. We we get the idea. Maybe he's just saying, you know, you would have given us, you would have given me the shirt off your back. Maybe that's maybe a better way to say that. But then he says, how then have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Sometimes when you tell people the truth, guess what? They don't like it. Verse 17, those who are zealot or zealous or passionate is maybe a good word to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us. 
so that you may have zeal for them or passion for them. It's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. And to be so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He's saying, I'm still, I'm still your parent because you're not getting this just yet. How I wish I could be there with you now and change my tone because I am confused or perplexed by you. There's three things that Paul's going to talk about in this text. Actually four, but we're going to do three and then I'll come back to the fourth one at the end. Paul kind of tells them, number one, he wants them to move forward. He wants them to kind of continue on this path where they are. He says, hey, stop, stop looking backwards. Just, just go forwards. Move towards something that's positive. The second thing is he says, I want you to seek truth. I want truth to be a governing factor in your life. This is the text that you gave that you read here a minute ago. When Jesus is standing at the end of his story before Pilate, they're having a conversation about what the truth is. Are you a king? Are you not? What's going on here? And Pilate actually asks him at the end, what is truth? And he thinks Jesus is going to give him an answer, but Jesus doesn't give an answer because Jesus is the truth. That's why he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's not some concept. It's, it's embodied in a person. And he wants them to embody truth in their lives. The third thing is he wants them to be passionate. Hey, whatever you do, make sure you do it well. Make sure you put your passions in the right areas of your life. So what I want to do is I want to kind of take all those things, or those three things plus one more, and I want to develop this into the ten principles to live by for students. So I'm going to go through ten things, and I know you've all got pen and paper to write this down, um, which means, uh, I don't know, who knows. But let, let me just tell you this. Number one is this, accept your limitations. We live in a world that buys into that anybody can do anything at any time. It's not true. Okay? We all have limitations. This is where I believe that the world of participation awards has kind of ruined us a little bit. Because what we've told people is, whatever you want to do, you can do. And not all of us, believe it or not, are good at every single thing. Some of you could get up here and speak in front of people and have no problem with it. Some of you, that terrifies you beyond belief, right? We're not the same in that regard. Some people are good at certain things. Some people are not good at certain things. Some of you guys tried out for sports. And some of you made the teams, and that's amazing. And some of you got cut. And you were like, oh, this is the first time I've had this experience. That's okay. Because there's, there's not one person that's good academically, good at football, basketball, baseball, uh, you know, plays the cello, uh, you know, Nobody's good at absolutely everything, and we live in a world that says you have no limitations, and that's not true. You do have limitations, and learning to accept what you're good at and what you're not good at is a great gift to yourself. Number two is this. Life is not fair. Get used to it. I know we think that life should be fair, but sometimes when you get older, you're going to have a job with the boss's kid who gets paid twice as much as you for half the work. It's just the way life is. And I'm not saying that that means we shouldn't try to find justice and try to do good things, but life is not fair. Do you ever say that to your parents when they have a tough conversation? That's not fair. And? You know, life is not fair. And I think sometimes we think that the best person at something or the great, it doesn't always work out that way. And, and, and 
don't want to, I know this sounds kind of dismal, but we've got to accept that life is not fair. The other side is this. We are sinful people, and God loves us and accepts us, and that's not fair either. So we've got to learn that life is not always going to go, go our way or be in our favor. And sometimes when we play the fair card, we're just playing the wrong card because life is not fair. Number three is, well, it's not theological, but it just seems like a good, good uh, counsel. Number three is don't litter, okay? It's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> let me tell you what I mean by that. I'm not talking about if you throw a banana peel out the window or an apple core or something that's biodegradable. What, what I'm saying is this. Don't make other people clean up your mess. Okay? Throwing a piece of paper when a trash can's two feet away, it kind of what it says is, I don't respect anybody around. Look, I think we should take care of the earth. I think we should do, do better with all that. But when you litter, what you're saying is, it's not my responsibility to clean up a mess that I made. Don't make other people clean up the mess that you made. If you make a mess, clean it up. Admit it and say, hey, I made a mess. I'm sorry. This is what happened. Because I think sometimes in our world we think as soon as I'm done with something, or as soon as I've lost interest with something, I can throw it away and it becomes someone else's problem or someone else's responsibility. That's not true. That's why throwing trash in trash, can, trash cans is an exceptional, uh, you know, exceptional discipline that teaches us if I use it, I get rid of it, and I make sure it goes to exactly where it needs to go to. I don't put that on someone else. Okay, number four, you all need to listen to this one because this is so true of every single one of you in this room. Lies are easy, truth is hard. This is a lesson that all kids have to learn, right? Because you don't want to get in trouble, so what do you do? You lie. And then we know you're lying, so then guess what you do? Instead of going, yeah, you got me, I lied. We tell another lie and another lie and another lie because being truthful sometimes is very, very difficult. But this is why even Jesus has this cornerstone in his own life of saying, I'm going to be governed by truth, not by lies. I know it's easier to lie and you think it's going get to uh, get you away or you, you, know, you kind of stay away from things. You guys get it. Try not to lie. It takes a lot more courage to tell the truth than it does to lie. Lying is a coward's response to a problem. Truth is saying, I get it. Even if truth means it has bad, bad consequences for you. If you go to your boss one day and say, yeah, I did that. And they say, well, then you can't work here anymore. Those are tough things. But our instinct is to protect ourselves and to tell as many lies as we can. That's why I asked you, are you doing something that you shouldn't be doing? Look, your parents expect a certain amount of that. But don't try to live your life in a, in a lie. Because lies will eventually be caught up. This is, this is why in our house, we, don't, we have a rule of no secrets. Because secrets usually become lies. If you're keeping a secret, and I'm not talking about a surprise party or something else, but even in that case, you usually have to tell lies to keep the secret. And those will consume you over your life. And when you, when you become an adult, hopefully, you learn telling the truth is a lot easier and a lot better. Even though it might have some difficult consequences, it's better than lies. Okay, number five, work hard, show up. I know that you're going to have some jobs in life usually, or you've got some homework, or whatever it might be, whatever is in front of you, show up for that. If you're unpacking the dishwasher, which, which you don't want to do, which we, we all have things we don't want to do, just do the best that you can with what's in front of you. And work hard and show up. There's nothing worse than people that show up to gain sympathy. Like if you're sick, don't show up and be like, I'm here, I'm just, this is terrible, you know. 
if you really are sick, stay home. But don't kind of play this in-between phase of these things. If you're there, be there. Whatever's in front of you, do it to the best of your ability. Don't just focus on the things that you like to do. Focus on everything and work hard at everything. The Bible tells us time and time again, even Paul tells us, whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. Be passionate about what you're doing, even if the thing that you're doing is not something that you like to do. These are, these are great lessons that I think we all struggle with, but all need to learn. Okay, so the first part is kind of the, I don't want to say the fun part, but kind of the easy ones. The, the next two are the ones that I really, the next five are the ones that I really want you to listen to. Number six is this. Don't let anyone else determine your worth. We live in a world where we live our lives on social media, right? Now, you guys don't use Facebook, right? That's an old people app. So you use like, I don't, I don't do any social media. So you guys use Instagram, Snapchat. I'm, I'm sure there's others out there that I don't even know about, okay, because I'm old and I don't, I just, I don't care, I don't care to engage in that world, right? But what we do is we start to learn what gets us attention. Hey, if I do this, if I'm taking this selfie, I get 10 likes. If I'm, you know, I, 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 mean, I don't know taking whatever selfies, I get more, I get more appreciation. So I'm going to start to do these things more. And we, what we do is we allow other people to determine how important we are. We allow somebody that's not us, that maybe doesn't always know us, to determine what, what our value is. How valuable are you? You're valuable for how many likes you get. Or how many people say, oh, that was so funny. Or that was this. Like these, these dances that I see you guys... I, I, Have fun, enjoy it, have a great time, but just realize that that's not who you actually are. And what happens is, in the world, we all have insecurities, we all have things that we struggle with, but the reality is, is that if you allow everybody else to determine how valuable you are, you will always feel like you are worth nothing, like you are worthless. Don't let someone else determine your worth. Which brings me to number seven, which is this. Your value is not determined by your achievements. Achievements are great. Get the medals, put them up, have the certificates framed. It's amazing. But that is not who you are. That is something that you did. And it's important for us to realize, you know, you guys watch Napoleon Dynamite, right? Is that a great movie? You remember Uncle Rico, right? Go home and watch that. It's a fantastic family activity, right? But Uncle Rico is living, how old is he? Probably 40, 50, I don't know. He's still living with the big game from high school. Because that's the day where he felt the most important and the most valuable. And that achievement determined his life value. It's actually really sad. That here he's living in a van and he's trying to relive this past. And that's what, when we value our lives, we are only as good as, well, I made this team or we won this or I got this, or I was successful at this, what happens over time is we think we're only valuable as long as we do that. Achievements are great, but they're not who you are. Achievements are what you do. Number eight, I want you to tuck away somewhere here because it's going to come. I want you to know that God is real and that he knows you and that he loves you. Because you guys are about to launch out into the world Some of you are going to go to college, and some of you are going to go to different places. 
and it's fine. I want you to hear me say, it is okay if you have questions about your faith and if you have questions about God. One of the biggest ones that you will face in college will be, if God is so good and God is so loving, then why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? Why do little children starve to death? Why, why, why are people allowed to abuse other people? These are big questions, and you should wrestle with those questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions of God. But at the end of the day, one of the things that hopefully you will come back to and maybe you'll remember is that God is real. And while everything doesn't make sense and while life is not always fair, God is real and he knows us and he loves us. And it's important for us to remember that because there will be days that you question that. Well, why, why is God doing all these things in the world? Why is God not stepping in and saving everything? Why is God not, not stopping the war in Ukraine? Why is God not allowing babies to die of AIDS? Why is God allowing all these things? And those questions are valuable and powerful questions. And I'm going to tell you there's no easy answers to those things. But it doesn't, under, it doesn't undermine that God is who he says he is. Hopefully over time, that will always be the anthem that you come back to, that you center yourself on. Uh, the, the last two are easy. Number nine is always move forward. And some of you have gone through bad breakups already, right? You feel like your heart's been broken by somebody, and your life will never go on. Okay, it will. It will. Loss is not the greatest thing that we deal with in our lives. Isn't it amazing, though, that God gave us only one direction, and that direction is forward. And the worst thing is somebody that's trying to live their life looking backwards. Okay, you can't live your life by looking backwards. And you can't always wish, listen, in moments of pain, we always wish we could go back to something and change it. And that's where life's not fair comes in. God does not allow us to do that, but he does allow us to move forward in our lives. And sometimes the hardest thing that we do is to take a step in the right direction. Even though we don't want to, even though that's not where we feel comfortable, we would rather go back a week or a month or a year or whatever it might be. But God says, you need to just put one foot in front of the other and slowly and steadily, and guess what? I will walk with you every step of the way. Move forward. Number 10 is, is maybe just an easy one, is this. Write your own story. Don't try to write your parents' story. Don't try to write your friend's story. Don't try to write some influencer on TikTok's story. Write your own story. Be in charge of your own life. Don't give that charge away to someone else. Write your own story. If you get made fun of for it, it's okay. But write your own story. When it comes to faith, don't just go along with the crowd. If something doesn't feel right, don't do it. There's nothing wrong. We've told our kids, if you ever feel uncomfortable, you call us, we'll come get you. Doesn't matter where you are. Because we love our kids. Now, our kids don't want to do that. But we've told them, hey, if something doesn't feel right, don't step across that. And you guys are in that world sometimes, oh, I, just, I, don't, I don't know that I feel right about it. Okay? It's going to be a part of your story, so make sure that you want to do whatever it is that you're doing. But write your own story. Don't, don't pick somebody else's and try to mimic it or be like them. Write your own story. And that's kind of what kind of what Paul's saying in the midst of all this as well. That's why today, this is why God is so smart. He is. He, he gets us. He really understands who we are and what we struggle with. That's why whenever we take communion, communion is very simple. It's about knowing and accepting 
ourselves and God. Let me, let me tell you what happens in this moment. You want to know what happens? This is a moment, and I know that seems kind of silly or simple, but this is a moment where we say, I know who I am, and I accept who I am. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything else. And I know who God is. I don't know everything, but I know who he is. And I know that he accepts me as well. What Paul is actually saying to the Galatian church is that really communion is when we passionately pursue the truth that is in front of us. When we look at our lives and we look at our faith and we say, that's where I'm going to follow God. It's not because we understand everything. It's not because we, you know, we get it all or we figured it all out. It's because we say, this is the choice that I'm making right now. It's you and me, God. We're on the same team. And we're going to go together in the same direction, even though I don't fully know where that is. But remember I said there's four things that Paul says. He says it early on in this chapter. He says, and communion is not just when we do this. Communion is the relationship we have with God. But communion is understanding that we know God, that we have the ability to know who he is. He has done that for us so that we can be in relationship with him. So when you take this, you, you don't go, hey, well, what are these things here? We know that these represent the body of Jesus being broken and the blood being poured out. We know that it represents that. It's a way for us to know God. God is the infinite unknowable. And yet he gave us something so simple to say, this is a way for you to know me. But even more than that, and Paul says it, communion is understanding that we are known by God. And that is the most significant thing ever. Communion is not about us understanding everything about God or understanding all the right things about God. It's the fact that God knows us and that he still loves us that he still walks with us, that he still engages with us, that he's there with us in, on our best days and he's there with us on our worst days, that God laughs with us when we're happy and he cries with us when we're sad. And that's what makes him real. It's not just that we know the right things about God, but that God knows us. You know that, I don't know that everybody in this room would love me if you knew everything about me. You ever feel that way? That's why we lie. That's why we keep secrets. Because we're scared that we won't be enough. And you never have to worry about that with God. Because God says, yeah, Sheldon, I, I know you. You're, you're kind of messed up. You make lots of mistakes. Yep, I wouldn't have done that. But that doesn't change the way that I feel about you. Because your worth to me is not based on how good you are worth to me is because I made you and I love you and I care about you and sometimes when it feels like I'm getting on to you it's not because I hate you it's because I don't want you to walk down a bad road I want you to make good choices I want you to experience freedom in life the way that, that I want you to experience it so I hope that today maybe there was just one or two things in there that you maybe students maybe there was just one thing that you said hey I could do that do a better job with that. You just do it imperfectly, in a broken way, and God will meet you. So as we share 
in the body and the blood of Christ. Let me pray for us, and we'll share this together. Father, thank you so much for meeting us in this place today. I thank you that we can laugh together, that we can just enjoy uh, a moment with each other. Father, I just pray that even through maybe some of the silliness that we shared today, that we would just hear you calling out to us. God, that you meet us in brokenness, which is what these symbols represent, broken body and bloodshed. Maybe today we're having our worst day, but God, thank you that you meet us there. And even though our sharing in these things doesn't magically fix our lives, it reminds us that we are not alone, that we walk with you, and that you love us and accept us and walk with us. So bless us as we share in the body and the blood name that we pray. Sometimes after a message like that, we realize maybe that we have drifted a bit far away from God. We need to just come back to Him. We normally do. We have some people that are up here up front that would be uh, willing and would be honored to pray with you. You stand with us this morning. I want to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to sing. Father, help us to come back to you. Help us to, as Paul says, to stop doing those silly things. Stop the secrets and the lies and just the, the things that seem to drag us down. Help us to lift our eyes on you as your word says. I lift my eyes to the hills for where does my help come from? My help comes from you, Jesus. Well, I pray if there's anyone in this room this morning that is struggling you, that they would come forward and be prayed over. Father, we're coming back to you. Precious name, we pray. Amen. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply just to breathe something that's in way that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you 
search much deeper within through the way things are you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the Let's just focus on our God this morning, what he can do, not our limitations. We have accepted those. Let's just focus on him because he is way maker. 
He can make a way where there seems to be no way. So if that's where you are this morning, latch on to this song. Let's sing it today. You are here moving in our midst. You are here moving in our midst. We worship you. Sing it, church. Sing it loud. I worship you. You are here working in place. I worship you. I worship you. I'm going to let you sing it. Sing it again. You are Turning lives around 
wants to be all of these things to us. Look to him this morning. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Let me encourage you this morning. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. who you are. You are a way maker. I pray for over every person in this room this morning, this morning, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what they're going through, that you would reveal yourself to them in a way that is tangible and that they would know that you are there and that you are their way maker, their promise keeper, their light in the darkness. In your precious name we pray.